Dr. B here again. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Ask the Dentist. So good news. I've just recently noticed that our listenership has jumped quite a bit. So I'm going to just review a little bit about what this podcast is. I think we're about 40 episodes in. Just so if there are any new listeners, what are we all about? What are the next 20 minutes all about in every week. I try and answer someone's question. I try and spend as little time as possible. I know everyone's very busy. I think one hour is probably too long. If you want more information, you can certainly get more information by going to our website, askthedentist.com. We've blogged about most of these topics. I also have an Instagram presence, Ask the Dentist. But it's just great to be able to listen to someone's voice, answer their question directly, and hopefully provide a teaching moment for all of us including a lot of providers that are listening as well, a lot of dentists. And at the end of this podcast, I'll steer you to a link where you can find a functional dentist. So what is a functional dentist? I feel like I'm preaching the concept of a functional dentist for over a decade. I've been practicing for almost 35 years and early in my career, after my indoctrination in dental school, of course, it wasn't all bad. It gave me the ability to be a very safe provider and a good clinician but there was a lot lacking in my dental education. And so what was that? So functional dentistry is an approach where you question everything and you try and go upstream in this river of treatment. You try and go to the headwaters of why did this happen and can we prevent it from happening in the future? And in functional medicine, that's called searching for explaining knowing the root cause of disease. And if so, if you do know what the root cause was, well, then your chances of preventing it are much, much greater. It's cheaper. It's less time in the dental chair or with your physician. It gives you a longer, not necessarily a longer lifespan. It can, but also for your lifespan, it gives you a longer health span. In other words, while you're living, for as long as you live, you have better health overall, good oral health. You're not missing any teeth. You don't need cosmetic work, which is what we're going to talk about today porcelain veneers, and that kind of thing. So it's a slightly different approach. I think it's ethically better. We as functional providers or as doctors, again, the verb to doctor in Latin is to teach. It's not to heal. And so that is our primary function. We have to teach and make sure that our patients are well-informed. And, and that's what functional dentistry is very, very good at. So today, given all that, we're going to talk about something that's considered to be elective. It's not necessarily important. And I'll piece that out a little bit and talk about how that may not necessarily be true because so much of what our smile entails and how we're able to communicate with people by smiling or if we do have missing teeth, a lot of that does affect our health. You know, it's more of our mental health, but it can also be our physical health as well. But anyway, let's get right to the question. I don't know the person's name, but it's a very good question. And it's a question that everyone should ask before they are considering cosmetic work, whether it's a facelift or any kind of augmentation to the body. And that includes porcelain veneers. This is a modern miracle of dentistry, porcelain veneers. And in a short period of time, you literally can have a just a drop dead smile. But is it worth it? And what are the caveats? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So here's the question. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to piece this out and discuss it and see if it's worth doing and whether it's cracked up to be. 
I was wondering what your take is on veneers and if that is safe. And if so, that's great. But if not, how does it affect our health? Great question. And it's a great question because cosmetic work is not always necessary. In fact, a lot of the time it's overdone and it costs a lot of money. And let me just start off by telling you a story before I tell you what I think of veneers and are they safe and then all my other little bits that I want to talk about with veneers. A while ago, probably two decades now, maybe even further back, I had a male patient, very well-dressed young man, I think somewhere from the deep south somewhere that lived in the Bay Area, had moved here. He was a salesperson with, I think it was Intel, you know, big chip manufacturer here in the Silicon Valley, extremely well-dressed, well-manicured, lovely man, personable, again, probably a wonderful salesperson because he had all the people skills that you could imagine that would make him a great salesperson. And he was a patient for probably about four or five years, and everything about him was just perfect. The way he looked, the way he dressed, and the way he took care of himself. He did have tetracycline staining of his teeth. So as a young man, his physician probably incorrectly prescribed tetracycline to him for, could have been a, I'm not sure, some kind of throat infection, sore throat, could have been strep. But tetracycline, we've long known, and actually it's not allowed to be prescribed to someone that has teeth developing because we know that there's a direct effect to the teeth. The teeth will develop, whether it's the baby teeth or the permanent teeth that are coming in that are developing up until about age 12, tetracycline will actually disform these teeth, the structure, the external structure of enamel. It'll make it a knurled, swirly brown patterns and dark brown, pale stains to the teeth and banding as well. There's also banding to the teeth with tetracycline. It's called tetracycline staining of the teeth. And, and this is pretty common. It was common until we realized that there was a connection and physicians were alerted and dentists were alerted that this should not be. As an interesting note, I still see tetracycline staining in patients from outside of the United States, especially from China, because it's still being given. It makes your teeth look terrible. And of course, there are different varying degrees of it. But anyway, tetracycline staining, he had tetracycline staining. And he had mastered, he told me, a way, because again, he's up in front of people and in sales. He had mastered the art of hiding his teeth when he was speaking with people in person with clients and still was able to pull off a smile and be personable and be successful as a salesperson. So over the years, I got to know him. Great guy, just fun to be around, a great patient, always concerned about his health, regular cleanings, no gum disease, great brusher and flosser, you know, just a model patient. And one day he came in during one of his normal cleanings and said, listen, Dr. B, I want to do porcelain veneers. And I didn't bring it up to him. A lot of dentists would have brought it up right away. But to me, that's a very personal thing because it has to do with your appearance. There was no health reason at that point. He wasn't getting cavities. His teeth, although they were very discolored and didn't look great, people obviously would have seen it right away if he did smile, uh, showing his teeth. I never really brought it up. That's a personal thing. If you are concerned about how you look, that should be brought up by the patient. That goes for whitening as well. I never tell a patient, oh, by the way, you should whiten your teeth. You know, it's easy to do and blah, blah, blah. So 
Anyway, he brought it up and I said, well, let's make an appointment. Let's do a consultation appointment and really talk about all the pros and cons of veneer. So we went through that process, which I'm going to go through with you a little bit later in this episode because it's important. But he decided that he wanted to do it. He had been saving this whole time to do it. And he literally just, we gave him the uh, estimate and he wrote me a check right on the spot. And I said, well, let's wait. A half down would be great. There are lab fees. And we had gone over what he expected, what he wanted. I usually send patients home and tell them to pick up different high-quality magazines that have high-quality photographs like Vogue magazine, those kind of magazines, and start looking at teeth. And I'm a big proponent of matching the teeth to the face. You can't just add any good-looking generic teeth to any face. There tend to be certain groupings that work well, you know, long, narrow, tapering, ovoid, oval, round, square faces, uh, they all do look better with certain type of teeth. And there are other considerations, the height of the gum, the age of the patient, and all of that. But anyway, I usually make this a long, drawn-out process because I realize what a big step it is. As you'll see later in this episode, this is a big deal. And I want to make sure the patient knows what to expect. So anyway, we sat down in one visit. We did 10 upper teeth. We prepped 10 upper teeth. It took us about two hours, a little bit less maybe. I was in there for probably about an hour and a half. My assistant made some beautiful temporaries and the temporaries of course already looked better because we use a light colored plastic material, but they were the same shape of his original teeth because we based the temporaries on the shape of the teeth. And he was very, very pleased and ran out two weeks later in about another hour and a half. We cemented all the veneers and everything went well. It was pretty routine for us. And we had cemented the last veneer. And he quickly excused himself and went into the bathroom. My assistant came out and said, about four or five minutes later, she said, you know, I think he's crying. I hear him crying in the bathroom. I was a little concerned. I was like, oh, dear. So I knock on the door and it says, everything okay? And he said, I'm fine. I'll be right out. And he came out. I was standing in the hallway with my assistant. It was obvious that he had been crying. He had some tissue in his hands. And he all of a sudden smiled. He had told us then at that point that he had been in front of the mirror. He was looking at himself and those were tears of joy. This is something that he had been planning for such a long time and it was a concern to him. And and I'm glad I didn't bring it up because you don't want to tell people that they need cosmetic work. That's terrible. It is elective work. There was no medical necessity in his case to cover those teeth with veneers. So anyway, he gave me a big hug, actually two or three hugs, hugged uh, my assistant, hugged the office manager on the way out as he paid his bill. And then we saw him a few weeks later. I always do a follow-up to make sure that all the glue is flicked away properly so it doesn't irritate the gum. Everything looked fine. He was so happy again. And then he pulled out these, in those days, when you bought airplane tickets, you had that little folder with tickets in it. He pulled it out and I thought, oh my God, he's going to fly us somewhere or something. And and he said, do you know what this is? And I go, no, it looked like plane tickets. And he goes, this is a plane ticket to go see my mother. I've been waiting for this moment all my life. And he told us a story about the guilt that his mom had after seeing his teeth develop the way they did because of the tetracycline that the physician that she brought him to prescribed for him. And the guilt that she had all those years was just almost unbearable. She would literally cry about it, tell her friends and and apologize to him about it. So his gift to her, I think he was going back for Thanksgiving or Christmas. His gift to her was to come in and show her his beautiful teeth. And I was so touched by that. And the reason I bring up that story 
is because I keep telling everyone that cosmetic work is elective, but there are some cases where the miracle of cosmetic dentistry is an absolute wonderful thing to be able to do if it's done properly. In his case, it turned him around. It helped his mother. He was a lot more confident than he already was. He actually got a promotion early the next year. It really made him happy. And if you know you're going into what to expect, which we'll talk about in a minute, I think cosmetic dentistry is one of the great advances of modern dentistry. It really does help people in so many different ways. And again, it wasn't his fault that he had gone to that physician and was given tetracycline. And there are other examples of disfigurement of the teeth. It can be trauma. It can be car accidents. It can be crowding. And the question is, at what point do you step in and do cosmetic work? And there are other ways to fix it other than doing veneers. So I tell the story. I always get goosebumps telling it because it really serves its purpose so well. It really explains how and when cosmetic dentistry should be implemented and how it really, maybe I'm exaggerating, but saves a life. It, it really just improves the quality of that person's life in so many ways. And I see this in personal relationships and confidence, self-image. Again, there have been plenty of studies saying that if you do smile more, your life goes better. I mean, things happen. Uh, people want to be around people that are positive and what better way to see that is with a smile when someone is smiling. So again, that story really is a perfect example of how cosmetic work at any age for any person can make a huge difference in one's life. All right, so let's get into the particulars. What do I think of veneers? What are the caveats? What should you be looking for when you're shopping around for veneers? Why would you want veneers? And when is the right time to invest in a set of veneers. So real quickly, I like veneers. Veneers are safe if properly done. They don't really harm you in any way. There are no toxins that are absorbed in your body. For the life of the set of veneers, they don't do any damage. In fact, they can actually protect your teeth and your gums. You've heard, of course, of all the benefits from the cosmetic perspective. But in terms of oral health, if they are properly done, veneers, there's nothing wrong with them. They are expensive. They can be more expensive than crowns. Insurance will not cover it. And usually you don't just get one veneer, although that can happen. If you damage one tooth, you would need one veneer, which by the way, is more difficult to do than for the dentist than several veneers. Because if you're doing one veneer, you have to match the teeth around that veneer with the surrounding teeth. And that, that gets very artistically technique sensitive, but it can be done. Just be aware of that. It's not simple. So veneers essentially are a reduction of tooth surface. Again, in the case of this gentleman who had tetracycline staining, I reduced as much of the enamel as I possibly could. In his case, we had to be a little bit aggressive. Again, when I say aggressive, this is much less aggressive than doing a crown. A crown is a lot of tooth reduction. And again, that's necessary in most cases that the crown strengthens the tooth and you have to remove a lot of tooth structure to make room for the crown. But veneers are thin sheets of porcelain that are usually attached or glued on to the front of the teeth. Think false nails. They get glued onto the nails, although in this case, those nails, the teeth, would have to be prepped. And there is tooth removal. But in the old days, 
cosmetic work, all the Hollywood stars from the 40s and 50s and 60s, they had their teeth ground down. I use the word to a peg because people relate to that. And it's not down to a peg, but it's a lot of reduction. And then the crowns are slipped on, glued on, and they can look pretty good. But they are not as translucent and as natural looking because they don't let light trickle through the tooth. Because in the old days, crowns had a metal coping underneath it. New crowns are all porcelain. But again, nothing looks good as, as good as a veneer because the veneer is very thin. In his case, because he had discoloration of the teeth, I had to be a little aggressive and make sure that we masked out that base color that he had because he actually had that discoloration in his dentin as well. That's only typically with a tooth that has died that is very yellow, that has yellowed, or with a tooth that has been damaged during its developmental stage has been affected by tetracycline in the system, even for a week or two. So there is reduction. You do typically have to get numb. If a dentist says, oh, you don't have to get numb, and all his cases are that way, I would be very nervous Yes, it is true. You can, in some cases, have, if you're trying to bulk up the teeth or if the teeth are already very worn, you can do a case where you don't have to get the patient numb and with minimal or sometimes with no reduction at all. But that is very unlikely. And there are some companies out there that sell this to a dentist, the quick and dirty veneers. You just take an impression. Two weeks later, you glue these things on. You charge the same for regular veneers. So be wary of that. The reduction is done usually under anesthesia, just local anesthesia. Impressions are taken. Two weeks later, the veneers are, during that time, they're fabricated by a lab, and then they are sent to the dentist. The dentist will try them in. The dentist and the assistant will try them in. Make sure you get a good look at them before they get cemented in. Make sure you like them. Make sure you go outside or go into a different part of the office with different lighting and make sure that you really like them. A good dentist will promote this kind of behavior. He will, he or she will walk you around the office, take you outside. I've had some patients get on the phone, FaceTime and FaceTime a partner and say, what do you think? And that's fine. But I always tell the patient, you have to feel good with them. We've done a lot of work on matching them to your face type. And usually we're talking patients down a little bit when it comes to making them too white. And so a lot of that planning is so important. And when the veneers appear, typically they get cemented. Sometimes they have to go back to the lab and get modified in the more difficult cases. Then they get glued in. And then you come back for a follow-up a few weeks later. And it literally transforms your smile. You can have some tooth sensitivity for a few weeks. We always warn patients about that. It usually goes away. The sensitivity is to cold air, breathing in cold air or cold fluids, drinking. And again, that's all very typical. So, and then in the end, you've got these porcelain covers, facades, veneers. I always think of the old Roman temples, Greek temples that, you know, we see today and we just see the ruins, but they were all veneered with a facade of white marble. And of course, that flaked off over time. And here are the caveats. Great procedure if it transforms your smile. If you have weighed all the other options, sometimes if you're getting veneers to straighten your teeth and in mild cases of misaligned teeth, by prepping in different areas of the tooth, you can put on the veneers in a straight way, but you really haven't addressed the root cause of the crowding. So I would always get orthodontics first, Invisalign, before you do veneers. It's a better way to do it. Try and whiten your teeth first or reshape them. It's called enamelplasty. The dentist can do that in a matter of minutes. Most people tend to focus too much on one or two little defects in their teeth, color, shape, 
and they tend to overdo it by asking for veneers. The reason I ask you to do this or to think about it is veneers are a big investment and veneers only last 12 to 20 years. I've had some cases last 30 years if the patient takes good care of them and there's no recession, but the investment is huge. Typical veneer prices are about $1,700 to about $3,000 per tooth. And remember, insurance does not cover any cosmetic procedures. Occasionally, you can get a veneer covered if it's on a root canal tooth and it's a, an aggressive incisal wrap. That's what we call it. It's almost a crown, but not quite a crown. Typically, sometimes insurance companies will cover that. But then again, your maximum, you're out. You've run out of a maximum payout per year, typically at 1500 or 2000 and that leaves you nothing for cleanings and exams and routine care. So really, cosmetic work is an elective process in that sense, and it will cost you a lot of money, twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000. I don't know if you know this, but Hollywood stars are, I think a lot of us think, oh, what a glamorous job that is, right? They really earn their money learning those lines, working 12 to 16 hours a day. Of course, they do get breaks, but then working out for the role or gaining weight and then having to lose it again. There are some stars that have had teeth extracted for the role to make it look realistic. Yes, absolutely. Or they've had to have their teeth worked on to make them look worse or better. And sometimes this goes on over many, many four or five year cycles where they make their teeth look worse. A good dentist in Beverly Hills or something, who knows? And then they have to fix that. Sometimes they can wear a grill, but that will affect speech and makes it difficult to be a speaking actor. Cosmetic dentistry for Hollywood is quite a thing and it's expensive. Sometimes it's paid for by the studios. It's in the contracts. But imagine being a patient every three, four years for your acting roles and spending all that time in the chair. And that's quite something. And this does happen. For the rest of us, if we just want a smile that lasts us for the rest of our lives, you really have to seek out a dentist that can do this properly. So how do you do that? Let me back up. So one of the caveats is price. I mentioned that to you. Sometimes things can go wrong. The best dentistry is no dentistry. That can happen. Sometimes a tooth will be prepped in such a way, not always the fault of the dentist. It can be a tooth that is already sensitive or has pulpitis, has an issue inside of the tooth in the pulp area of the tooth, and it will need a root canal. So the root canal can be done before the veneer gets cemented. It can be done after the veneer is cemented. So that's a little bit extra work. And veneers can chip. They can break. If you fall or if you grind at night, it can damage a veneer. So I always include in my veneer cases an upper and lower night guard or Invisalign style retainer. So I always tell the patient, listen, if you're out and about running and jogging or mountain biking or you're sleeping at night, put this thing in. Your veneers are going to last a lot longer. It protects them, especially if the patient is grinding at night, sleep bruxism. So that can happen. If your gums recede, then you see the line where the veneer ends and begins at the bottom of the tooth near the gum line. So you have to take very good care of your gums. Don't get a set of veneers. If you have gum disease, make sure that's addressed first and then get your veneers it's always a wise thing to do. Don't remodel the kitchen until you know that all the dry rot in the foundation has been addressed. That's very important. A lot of dentists love doing cosmetic work, obviously, and forego the baseline work because, you know, most patients only spend what they can afford and what insurance will pay per year. But a lot of patients will find a way to afford big cosmetic cases. And, and there are dentists out there that exploit that, unfortunately. It's true. 
So before you get these veneers, make sure you've ruled out all other possibilities. Make sure your dentist has spoken with you many, many times. I would actually seek out a dentist that has been to courses after dental school. Veneers are taught in dental school, not all dental schools. When I was in dental school, I never got any exposure to doing veneers. That was back in 85, 86, 87. It just wasn't a known or popular procedure at the time. And I had to learn it through special clinical continuing education and working with a lab. And and that takes years. So don't just assume that your dentist, your family dentist, can do veneers. Seek out someone that has been accredited by a cosmetic association, dental association, LBI is one. There are several others. And then ask for referrals. Most good cosmetic dentists will have a set of patients that will be willing to show you in person what they look like or take a phone call and tell you that they're happy and what it was like and all that. And so make sure to ask for referrals. Also ask for photos. A good cosmetic dentist take before and after photos and they have plenty of them, lots of them. And that's important. And then pick up all those magazines with high quality photography in them and show your dentist the teeth that you want. Show him or her what your expectations are. And typically your expectations may be a little bit too great. And if the dentist can rationalize that and tell you what would look more realistic, what would look better, or if you want very square teeth that are all lined up perfectly, you know, that's not necessarily a good look. You want the front teeth to look a little bit longer than the lateral teeth. The two centrals should look longer than laterals and cuspid should have a little point to it. There should be a certain proportion, a golden ratio of the width to all these teeth and it should match your face. And if you're having that discussion with your dentist, then that's a good thing. If you just make an appointment one day and say, oh, I want some veneers, how much does it cost? And then in a week or two later, you're in the office getting veneers done, I would be very wary because the result can be terrible. I mean, it's irreversible at that point. You've gone through the reduction and you're stuck with a set of veneers you don't like, or you didn't want them to be cemented and you had to go to another dentist and start over. The key to a good veneer case is the dentist having an excellent lab. Really, the lab work, it can vary greatly. And there are some incredible labs that are the Michelangelo of teeth. It's phenomenal what they can do and the characterization and the incisal shading and the translucency at the tip of the tooth and the ridges they put in. And the more the dentist is talking about characterizations like that and uneven shading, you don't want chiclets. That's what we call in the profession. That's what we call really cheap veneers that the lab just didn't do a good job. It wasn't high quality lab. You don't want chiclets. Chiclets look terrible. People either consciously or subconsciously will notice that something's wrong. They'll think you have dentures on or that you capped all your teeth. So make sure you're not getting that kind of product. The other aspect that I'd like to discuss is, are you a good candidate for cosmetic work? Do you really need it? And I think not all, but a lot of patients have unrealistic expectations for what the cosmetic work will do for them. Perhaps there are some personal problems or issues in their life. A lot of my veneer patients are women, sometimes men actually, that have recently been divorced. They're out there dating again, and they think that this is something that they need to do, that it will help them. Do some self-examination. Really ask yourself and have a professional Get several consultations with dentists, but also ask a lot of your friends and family, you know, how are your teeth? What do you think? Is it really a big issue? And and ask them to be honest. You know, are there other issues about your appearance that you could work on that are cheaper and easier to do? I always see society as wanting to be thin before we're fit. 
And that kind of thinking really can get you into trouble. A lot of cosmetic cases in dentistry go bad. There's a lot of cosmetic work. Cosmetic dentistry became a big boon in the, I think it was the 80s. And then the 90s was kind of the golden age. And then turn of the century, a lot of this work was being redone because we weren't using the right techniques. It was overdone. It was being done on cases that it should never have been done on. So case selection is very important. And you don't want to be that person where the dentist thought, okay, oh, this is great. I can make a quick buck here and move on and do another case. Make sure that you really want this and that you are a good case. And again, I would ask your dentist, am I a good case for cosmetic work? Is this something that will work well for me in your hands, in the dentist's hands? Or is there something I should be doing first before I entertain getting the dental work done, the cosmetic work done? So that's why I don't ask patients, do you want to have the nears done or do you want to whiten your teeth? I think it needs to come from the patient first. And, and unfortunately, it does. It can rather quickly. Oh, my friend just had them done. I want them done. And, and just, again, as dentists, the ones that are concerned and really want the best for you, we are concerned when we hear that. We want to slow the process down and really talk about it. And if I think that, for example, like that story I told earlier in the episode, wouldn't have to be that extreme. But if I think this is a good thing and we've talked about it and the patient knows everything there is to know about veneers, the cost, how long it lasts... Again, once you're a veneer patient, you are a veneer patient for the rest of your life. Every 10 to 15 years, if you're lucky, 20 years, you will have to have them redone. Prices for veneers will only go up. The techniques are getting better and simpler. The materials are getting better. So there's a little bit of a pro and con there in terms of having them done every 15, 20 years. Just make sure it's something that is right for you and make sure that everything else in your life is that you're happy with. Sometimes people aren't happy and they look to the cosmetic side of things, especially as we age, as we get older, we get very concerned about things that make us look old. There is a lot of age discrimination that goes on in the workplace. I get that. And a lot of people look to cosmetic work to help prolong their career. I see that all the time in Silicon Valley, especially with women. Unfortunately, it's a terrible thing, but it does happen. Vanity is, is a tough thing. And it's not just oh, I'm not looking the way I think I should. It's really what we think other people think of us. And we're shaped and guided by social media, by the norms and like Hollywood films and magazines. And so get through all that. Make sure you're not a victim of all of that because you could really dig yourself in a deep hole and spend just a lot of money. Money you could spend on buying a home, having a vacation with your family, vacations with your family, plural. It's an investment. And before you make a big investment, you want to make sure that it's going to pay off for you. So there you have it. I like veneers. I love doing them because I know what it does for a person, what it can do. It can change someone's life. It can boost their self-esteem, among other things. And it really makes people happy. And that's essentially... First of all, first take care of all the clinical aspects and educate and solve the health issues. But if we can go beyond that and make someone happy, that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give as professionals to our patients. So cosmetic work has that potential. But as I said, as you heard me say, just make sure you know what you're getting into. It's not perfect. Nothing is perfect. Again, the best dentistry is no dentistry. The best dentistry is preventing the need for dental work. And again, that's that functional approach. If you know what causes 
all these things. For example, in this case, based on the story that I gave earlier in the episode, tetracycline. We don't want to be giving this to our children. That's pretty much the norm in the U.S. today, but tetracycline is still being given to young patients in the rest of the world and sometimes in the U.S., although that would essentially be malpractice because it does you know, cause discoloration of the teeth and also weaker teeth. One thing I didn't mention about cosmetic work is that in some cases, a veneer can strengthen the teeth and can improve the bite. And that's a good thing overall because that is preventative in nature. So have these discussions with your dentist. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Don't just make an appointment for veneers. I mean, don't just decide, I need veneers. I can afford them. Let's get it done and make the appointment. Really seek out the right dentist. Make sure you're having all the conversations that I had with you about veneers, color, shape, form, expectations, all of that cost, certainly. And then how long will it last? And get all that out of the way. And then if you still think you're a candidate for, and your dentist thinks you're a candidate for veneers, I'm all for it. I love doing veneers. I think it's a wonderful advance in dentistry. I think it's safe. So there you have it. Now you know how I feel about veneers. I have written about this extensively. I kind of, in today's episode, just kind of talked about a lot of little things, little tips that are pet peeves of mine and how I would approach a cosmetic case. So there are a lot of details about cost and what actually is a veneer. And there's some pictures on this blog post that I'm going to link to in the show notes. So again, I think veneers are great as long as the case selection is good. In other words, if you are the right patient for cosmetic work for some veneers. Inevitably, someone's going to ask about composite veneers. They don't last as long. It's a great way to preview what something will look like. It's good for individual teeth, but it's very short-lived and does not look as good as a porcelain veneer. Porcelain veneers are as good as we can get for cosmetic work. And in most cases, if properly done, porcelain veneers will look better than real life. And be careful with that, as you heard me say before. Don't make them look too good. Just make them look natural. They function well. You don't reduce a lot of the tooth. And it can really, as I said before, really be a big change for you in life and make you happy. But make sure expectations are known so that they are properly met. Veneers are a great thing to do in certain cases. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope I was able to answer your question about veneers. Again, I like them, but be careful. Buyer, beware. If you have questions like this, go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist. As I said before, I included a show note about veneers, stuff we've written on our website, askthedentist.com. There are a few more things we've written about veneers, so definitely explore that. Become an expert. Know what you're getting into. Make sure you have considered all the details. And again, you know, it's like commissioning a painting. Maybe that's not a great example, but you just don't know what that painting is going to look like. You want to make sure you have some control over the process and you want to make sure that your expectations of what is going to happen, how they will look, will be met. And then you also want to make sure you don't have unrealistic expectations. Again, this is the big issue with cosmetic work and this is where things typically go wrong. Patient thought this, dentist promised this, and there was a disconnect between the two. So make sure that doesn't happen to you. If you've done your homework and you're a good candidate for cosmetic work, it really can be a game changer and a life changer for you. Not to sound 
vain in any way. Not having a good smile does have an effect on your life. Let's be honest about that. We live in that kind of society. So again, speakpipe.com slash ask the dentist for questions. Any more information about anything, please go to our website. I'm very proud of it. It's been around for 10 plus years. We've got lots of information on there, askthedentist.com. And if you're looking for a functional dentist that can do cosmetic dentistry, just because you're a functional dentist doesn't mean you can't do cosmetic dentist. It doesn't mean that you're not a great clinician. Go to askthedentist.com slash directory. A lot of the dentists on this directory, I've seen their work and it is quite amazing. And because they're functional or functionally minded, they really go through that whole approach that I just kind of rambled on about in this episode. Again, it's really important to know whether you're a good case or not for cosmetic dentistry. So I appreciate you listening. I hope that was of some help today and I will see you in the next episode. Stay safe. If you think you need veneers, definitely think about it again, not against it, but think about it. It's a big, big investment that can have a big return. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.